0: On this edition of the next phase with Steve Key, we are talking what it means to be a high achiever. Now, I've always thought I was a high achiever, made the most of of what I had, the gifts I was given. Uh, But really, was I a high achiever? I guess I'm going to find out. Today, I speak with Ruth Gochin from New York. She does research on extremely high achievers, including a Nobel Prize winner, astronauts. And Olympic and NBA champions, she shares the elements of success based on her interviews. In 2021, she was named to the Thinkers 50 Radar list as one of the 30 management thinkers to watch worldwide. And her book on extreme high achievers, The Success Factor, will be published in January 2022. Now, welcome, uh, welcome to my podcast, Ruth.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Cross the border.
0: Cross the border.
1: <laughs> I, I wanna what
0: what do high achievers have in common, Ruth?
1: Ah, well, we could spend the whole time just discussing these these four things, but um I'll back up and I'll actually tell you how it started because of your comment where you said, I thought I was a high achiever, right? Yeah. I think the environment tells you a lot of it. So when I was getting my bachelor's and master's, I didn't know a single Nobel prize winner. I thought finishing your degree was a major achievement, right? But then I started working at a different institution where every time I went to the faculty club to eat, there's another Nobel prize winner sitting next to me and everyone has a doctorate. So now all of a sudden, getting a it becomes the new normal because everyone around me has it, right? Maybe that was part of the catalyst for my going back to school at 43 and getting it. So when I, when I went back, I actually looked at the most successful physician scientists of our generation. And that's really what kicked off my research. And I spoke to Nobel Prize winners and I spoke to a former Surgeon General of the United States and NIH Institute directors and so on and when i was done with that and done with a degree i wondered if the same four things i found in the physician scientists if i would see them in other extreme high achievers and that was my quest to interview the astronauts and the olympic champions and so on so i found out that the astronaut is just like the olympian who's just like the nobel prize winner they all have the same four things in common and that means that these are learned skills. It's not just about the environment. We can now learn these skills. So I reverse engineered the path and I created a blueprint and I, I'm, I'm ready to tell you what the four are if you want to well, Yeah,
0: sure. What are these four? Because now I have to see where I check the boxes.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing. You have to do all four things together. So the first one, and this taps into our pre-recording conversation, about tapping into your um, intrinsic motivation, what you were put on this earth to do, what you would do for free if you could, what you are so passionate about, you just can't see yourself doing anything else. These are the people, it's not about getting the degree or getting the promotion or getting the recognition. This is what they love doing. They tapped into that passion. So that's called the intrinsic motivation not to be confused with extrinsic motivation, which is you're doing it for some outside recognition like a award or degree. The second one is the extreme high achievers will work harder than anybody else. They have a level of perseverance and resilience that has been formed over years. They do not drop their pen at five o'clock. There is a question that needs to be answered and they will work to get it done. And when you love what you do, you actually push forward all the time. Now, the third one is they have a very strong foundation, which they're constantly reinforcing. So things they did early in their career are the same things that they'll do later on in their career. So you ask any Olympian, any NBA player, the same drills that you would see in a junior high gym are the same drills that they do at the Olympic level and they do at the NBA level granted, they've got fancier equipment, better sneakers, but the drills are exactly the same because if you have a crack in your foundation, everything else crumbles. So they never rest on their laurels. They're constantly doing the same thing over and over again. And last but not least, you heard of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and Mark Cuban. They read three to eight hours a day. That's not what made them billionaires. What made them billionaires was that they were open to new knowledge. They never said, I know everything. They said, there's always more to learn. And it's not about sitting in a classroom. We're adults. That's hard. We don't have the time. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the patience. So what are other ways that you can learn? So for Warren Buffett and Mark Cuban and Bill Gates, for them, it's reading. But you don't have to read books if that's just not your thing. You could read articles. You can listen to podcasts such as this one. Hopefully you're learning something new. You can watch YouTube videos. You can talk to people. So all of the extreme high achievers also had not just one mentor. They had a team of mentors who believed in them more than they believed in themselves. So those are the four things that all of the extreme high achievers had in common. And the important thing is if you want to try to do this and you can, you have to do all four things together. And it starts with finding out what you're passionate about.
0: Wow. That is um, such a great summation. And, you know, I think back to being a kid. And my dream was to be on the radio. That was oh, wow. my dream. And I went to school for that. And I achieved it. But by the time I was 25 years old, I thought I needed more. So then I moved into communications and worked for 20 years for the Toronto Stock Exchange doing all aspects, but I had to learn. But along the way, whether it was broadcasting, whether it was uh, communications, there were significant people in my life that helped me. One person in particular told me I was struggling at the beginning in communications, that move from journalism over. And she said to me, you need to proclaim your rarity. What do you do better than anybody else that you can make part of your career? So, you take the journalism, you take the contacts, you take how you are as a person. And that's how I moved ahead with my career. And I have to admit, I think I was successful, but I was successful because of the people who helped me along the way. So, today, as a person who has quasi retired, I find it almost my duty to give back, to talk to students, to help people. I don't turn down a uh, request for someone who wants to speak. I do not do any of that. So that whole idea of mentorship and getting the help, whether it's through people or what you read is so important. Uh, I mean, you, you've had mentors along the way. How have they helped you?
1: It's, it's so critical. And and I would not be here if it weren't for my mentors, but I, and I'll get to those people in a second. I, I want to share with you that all of the people who were in the book, there's over 60 profiles of extreme high achievers. Every single one of them is giving back in some way, every single one of them. So these are not the people. In fact, I did my due diligence on every single person before I asked them for an interview, I needed to know that they were paying it forward. Despite the size of their bank account, despite the the big fame and fortune that they had, how were they paying it forward? There's a retired astronaut who built an entire foundation to get people more interested in science, technology, engineering, and math. He goes around the world trying to get kids interested in that, paying it forward. There's an NBA, a two-time NBA champion who opened up in his home country a basketball studio for kids. There's others who are mentoring women. I mean there's so many ways that they are giving back, but they are. And I think that's part of part of success. Now, my mentors, there's, there's two in particular who I think had a profound impact I was 43 when I decided to go back to school and I went up to one of my mentors and I was talking to him about the project that I was considering. And he said to me, do something important, not just interesting. Mm. Do something important, not just interesting. He never told me what to do, but he planted a seed. Because he said, if it's important, it will have an impact. If it's interesting, it's a hobby. You're going to work too hard for this. You have the ability to look at questions the way no one else has looked at questions. How are you going to have a positive impact on the world? That completely changed that sentence, the the trajectory of my research, and it made it into international Research that's that I have been doing. So this is deeply rooted in research. Now, later on, one of my um, other advisors, Dr. Marie Volpe, who's a faculty member at Columbia University, she uh, she's the one who made me a writer. I never liked writing. My grandmother told me when I was a kid that I was a great writer, but I didn't enjoy it because all I had written at that point were book reports it was always answering somebody else's prompts I, it just I, it didn't excite me i didn't love it she made me a great writer happened to be my dissertation advisor but the way she gave feedback the way she challenged me the way she scaffolded everything it made me want to do better and that is a skill the fact that she can do that and you know to this day when i wrote the book proposal for the success factor I actually showed it to her first. I needed that feedback. I craved it from her because I knew that she believed in me more than I believed in myself. And that's the mark of a great mentor.
0: Any achiever, especially high achievers, uh, have ups and downs in their life. And you know it's not just a, a straight path to the top. You often get knocked down. And I always believe, and there was an old Vince Lombardi quote, you know, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get up again. Yes. And uh, several times in my life, things have happened and you get back up. Do you find that the achievers you speak with have those similar things?
1: Absolutely. The, the listeners can't hear, but I'm nodding my head so much it may fall <laughs> off. The, the way they view challenges is is very different they never question if they will overcome the challenge. They have the confidence that they will, right? Whatever the challenge is, if it's a scientific question, if it's an athletic challenge, if it's a pandemic, right? Whatever the challenge is, they instead, their whole mindset is about how do I overcome the challenge? What is the strategy I haven't thought of? What more could I do? What could I do differently? And they don't give up. Remember, I talked about that perseverance. So Dr. Peg Whitson, who was the chief astronaut for NASA, first female commander of the International Space Station, spent more days in space than any American astronaut. She had to apply for 10 years to be an astronaut. Of all the astronauts I interviewed, there was only one who got it on the first shot. All of them had to reapply, reapply, reapply.
0: But it's so rewarding when you're faced with these challenges and and you go you go that way. I mean, I, I feel that in my life, I've won many lotteries, and that's the only way I can describe it. I grew up; I was not the best high school student. I did well at college. It was at work. It was learning. Yeah. And 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 you talk about developing this whole team of mentors. Yeah. Uh, and and you, we've talked about the paying it forward, but when you're trying to find people who can help you, how do you just go about do you, do, you, do you look to the person you want to be and take a little bit of them and a little bit of them and a little bit of them? or yeah, how, how should you plan for that?
1: I think that the most important thing is to surround yourself with interesting people. We don't know what's going to exist in 5 years. I always give the example when I started in my role 25 years ago. The guy we didn't we didn't even have really internet. There was intranet. There was certainly no websites. 5 years later came websites and there was one person. One person in charge of it. Now there's an entire team of people. You could get a degree in it. <laughs> that didn't exist a few years ago. So you don't know where we're going to be in a few years. So you need to think about what it is you're interested, the types of people, and always surround yourself with interesting people. And they don't have to do what you want to do because you can learn from anyone, from anybody you can learn. And I think surrounding yourself with those people is what's so critical. Now, if we're in the midst of a pandemic and you can't do that in person, don't worry about it virtually, you can actually meet more people. I have never attended so many webinars and professional development sessions like I have during the pandemic, because there's always another LinkedIn Live. There's always another webinar. Most of them are free. I am hearing from world experts. And those are great people. But you know who else are great people? The people in the audience because they are listening and they're watching for the same reason you are. They are interested in this topic. Some may be senior to you. Some may be at your level. Some may be junior to you. Pay very careful attention to the chat because the chat is where the riches are in the niches, because the chat is where you hear the pearls. You hear if somebody is adding value to the conversation because you can't always raise your hand. You can't always speak. Not everyone's comfortable doing that, but people type in comments in the chat, pay attention to the ones that resonate with you, connect with them offline, connect with them on social media, reach out to them and say, Steve, I love the comment you said about blah, blah, blah at the so-and-so webinar. It really resonated with me because whatever. If you have time, I would love to schedule a, a quick phone call or or Zoom because it seems that our work is aligned.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. It there there are just so many opportunities, and, and I have a an eclectic circle of friends. When I was younger, it wasn't easy to always find people aligned that way. I call my my circle of friends the Island of Misfit Toys because. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You can learn something from everybody. And I have entrepreneurs. I have handy people who can fix everything I need because I can't do that. And I'm always thinking you have to find a way to, to match. And, and it's a yeah. give and take on any any situation. But in terms of a high achiever, I relate it to being a, almost like a, a fireman. And brave firemen run into the building People who are not brave run away from the from the fire, and I think a high achiever needs to, is the person who takes the wheel, and is there, yeah. and can perform and produce. Uh, yes, it, it, you know this is probably why, and they don't crumble when all of a sudden the chips are down. That's right. You know, you want you know here in business, you want something done. You give it to a busy person. I think organizations understand who those people are, and they're 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 fine that way. But the 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 spotlight is on you, and you perform. And if I understand you right, that's learned behavior. That's because they've been through it before, and they will. They know how to to manage that situation.
1: Well, they do, but they. Also, critically reflect on their experiences. And that's when you're learning. You're learning when you critically reflect on your experiences and you alter your behavior or your actions based on those reflections. Now, every single high achiever had to overcome some sort of hurdle because they're human, just like the rest of us. We all have hurdles, right? But they are very focused on controlling what they can control. Control what you can control. They don't worry about the noise. They don't worry about things that they can't control. I spoke to um, an Olympian, several Olympians, when the Olympics were postponed for a year. Imagine you train your yeah. whole life for this one point, and then it's postponed, and you don't know if you you have it in you, if you have what it takes, if you can put your life on hold again for another year, because that's That's just too big, too big of an unknown. And they said to me, control what you can control. I cannot control if the Olympics will be postponed for a year, but I can control my training. I can control my eating. I can control my sleeping. And that's all they focused on, controlling that. And those were the small milestones on the way to a big goal. So it's not about a big goal. It's about the small milestones. And I'll, I'll tell you the other thing. Every single person that I asked who won these, these big accolades, they always said it's a chapter in their lives. It's not their entire story. Mm-hmm. So it was never about winning Olympic gold or winning the Nobel. None of them started their career with that goal in mind. Their goal was to do their best work. And that's why those who did not crumble always had a plan after that Olympic gold. I don't know of a single scientist who stopped doing research once they won the Nobel Prize. Not one. It just continues. It's a it's, chapter.
0: It's ingrained. It's ingrained into to what you do. It's part of that life, which makes it so difficult at times. Um I find the one challenge I have is that ending the full-time work. I always relate it to that. Michael Corleone scene in the Godfather part three, when he said, you know, when I just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. That's part of the everyday life. Yeah, you never lose that passion. And I hope I never lose that passion. So whether it's trying to cut my lawn the best way possible, train my dog the best way possible, it's 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 everything in trying to be the best I can be and as Absolutely. you get older you can't do things the way you did but you draw on an experience and you're able to to move ahead when 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 we when your book is is coming out what do what, what are we going to learn from this
1: so the book really talks about first of all what is success right we have to realize that success is a moving target so the success factor talks about these four elements of success but i am an adult educator So I can't just tell you about these things without telling you how to actually implement them. So there's actually actionable steps and tips and programs and processes that you can implement immediately for each one of these elements. Now, one thing I know about adults, and there's a lot of research that's been about this, We can't have just one way of doing things because the way I learn is not the way you learn, which is not the way your neighbor learns. So I needed to create a buffet of options. So if I'm telling you how to tap into your intrinsic motivation, sure, I could say, go do a passion audit. And by the way, anyone who's listening, I put the passion audit on my website. They can go find it at ruthgotien.com slash passion audit. But there are other ways that you can find it as well. So I talk about different ways that you can do that and implement it. So this is really the success factor is a book that you can pick up at any time, any chapter, keep it at your nightstand. Every time you go through some sort of transition in your life and you need to refocus on one part, like a quasi retirement or a pandemic or a child or a new job, you can pick it up refocus and things will change because the way you did things five years ago is not the way you do it today. And that's what the success factor is all about. And there's stories from notable names who everyone has heard of. So if you like the NBA, it's Steve Kerr and um, scientists has Nobel prize winners, such as Dr. Mike Brown and Tony Fauci and the astronauts, such as uh, Peg Whitson, who Dr. Peg Whitson, who I spoke about. Um, And many Olympians as well, from Apollo Antonono, the most decorated winter Olympian, to uh, Devin Harris, the uh, original member of the Jamaican bobsledding team. Mm -hmm. The movie Cool Runnings came from that. There's so many, but there's also people you've never heard of. But they have created such a paradigm shift in the way things are done. That. These are people who are always working behind the scenes to move things forward, to leave this world better than we found it. And I felt they needed a spotlight as well. So there's the whole range.
0: Well, thank you so much for this and uh, continued success. Uh, you are inspiring. And I often like speaking with people who have similar views to me. <laughs> That's the way they go. But I, I wish you the best of luck uh, with the book.
1: Thank you so much. I'm excited.
0: Well, the next phase with Steve Key podcast, this episode is coming to an end. I will put uh, some of Ruth's uh, links and, and information in, uh, in, in the description. Uh, I thank you for listening and wish you another wonderful day.